2: Oh, yeah. Clear eyes, full heart. Can't lose. It's Texas forever, baby. Morning combat, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell. And how about this guest star on Showtime? They call him Showtime. Sorry for my hair. The former two-time (laughs) welterweight champion of the world. He's got the best hair in boxing. Showtime, Sean Porter. Why is he here? Because he's a superstar. (laughs) Because we're here at Texas Live, Arlington, the dome behind us. And, of course, Saturday night, only on Showtime pay-per-view, 9 p.m. Eastern. Your Dennis Ugas. Errol Spence Jr. straps in three of the four welterweight belts at stake. Sean, this is a a boon for us to get you here. I know (laughs) you were recording your podcast over there. You're making a lot of appearances. You obviously fought both guys. You have that great insight, but you're like my
0: favorite person in this industry.
2: So great to be back with you. Thank you. you.
0: It's great to see you, man. Great to be back with you right here. I'm I'm doing great. Uh, Life is good. The podcast is going really well. So. Got no complaints. Right, before we
2: get into this fight, Luke and I were, were no were, more close-ups
0: too, cause yeah, did what's you that, walk walk us through the hair? What's, did what's your style the what, uh, What's not the plan, What's the plan here? What what's happened? the plan? The plan is to go to the shop and get my hair done okay. when I leave here. Okay, okay. okay. So, so we only know you to be buttoned up. We've seen those. That's right. Yeah, that's, okay. fair. that's fair. I thought this was a good look until I came over here. Yeah. The camera. Yeah. This camera is, it's really exposing how bad it is. <laughs> you know, they, it looks good over there. It looks they bad They like over to here. shoot us <laughs> so we
2: look
1: <laughs> yeah, bulgy they, in the cross. They, not yeah. the good way. <laughs> they you know, not they the try to make way. us look as bad as possible. So welcome to the club. All right, Thank Sean, you, Sean, you recently
2: retired. And it was a, I got to give you credit. You fought Terrence Crawford last fall, pay-per-view, two networks, two rivals, sides of the street coming together. It was great for boxing. Dude, I never got to talk to you personally no, or privately since have then. Not. Bro, you put on a hell of a Thank performance you, and a losing e- effort. Yeah. And then just up and decided to retire. <laughs> so, of course, Luke and I are going to praise you and say you're going out on your own terms as a star, former
0: champion. Yeah. Did you know you were going to do that after that fight? I did. Uh, I don't think it's much of a secret now that I knew I was going to do it. But I think overall, I think people have asked me, hey, man, how do you feel? How do you feel? How does it feel to be retired? I said, man, I'm good. They say you're happy, aren't you? are happy are not you like, yeah, I'm happy. And they say, yo, if you're happy, then no need to even come back. In the moment when I announced my retirement, I was so happy to do it that I didn't have a bone in my body, a thought in my mind at all. No apprehensions should I not do it. Mm-hmm. I just went for it, and you know, I think it became – it was a moment, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I kind of had visualized the moment, and it went how I thought it would. You heard all the gasps. Your dad, the crowd, must have know, been yeah. like, "Shit, man!" I think, I think, you know, my dad. Now we had had conversations. He knew, we both knew that, you know, we, it was, it was only a matter of fights, a.k.a. fight, until I was, until I was going to retire. So, I think there was a, a little of su- a little surprise for him, but it was mostly just, "All right, if this is what you're going to do, do it." You it, know? if he you was sharp that night, I know, he was sharp. If you had won, would you have still retired? Yes. No matter
1: what, that was Yeah, the
0: I you know, I keep telling people like for me, remaining in the sport for money or remaining in the sport for anything other than fighting who I was able to fight, there's no reason for me to even fight anymore. So once I fought the names that I felt I should be in the ring with, once that was done, I'm ready to be done, you know. So and you fought no, the best of your
1: generation, yeah, without about it.
0: There's really no amount of money that would bring me back. I, I love, They'll call you with that money. They'll they'll drive they the will. truck to your home. I, you know, I got a, a message. I was like, ah, I guess I should have been expecting this. I've gotten a couple of calls. Hey, are you really done? Or yeah. what do you think about this or that? So, no, I'm done.
1: But you're, you know what? The best part? Your health is intact. Yes, sir. You sound great. You look great. Yes, sir. You're time to time, you got you made some money, you had some big wins. Yes, sir. That's about right. all you can really do. Final
2: question on this because I was intrigued when you fought Terrence Crawford, who's among the best three or four fighters of the world this generation as well. I know it ended up turning south. Yeah. But, dude, you you. You had him. You yeah. figured something out. You were sharp as shit in terms of the educated pressure. <sighs> and let's give him credit for making he, those adjustments. He had adjustments. to switch up
1: a lot of he things to get You that really element.
2: had to make him work. But were there yeah. moments in rounds five, six, where you could see it in his eyes, like, oh, shit, I'm going to really have to work for I
0: this? I don't think he never showed me that he was uncomfortable. He never showed me, like, any discomfort at all. I'm used to seeing that. <laughs> I didn't see that against him. Yeah. You know, um, I think for the most part, it, it takes a special individual to do what I did against Errol Spence Jr. It takes a special individual to do what I did against uh, Terrence Crawford. I don't think that there's one style that can beat either of those guys. It takes a multiple, uh, a variety of things that needs to be done from it, beginning to end. And I think, you know, with both those guys, I was, I was able to do those things. Of course, both those guys had success against me, and we, we would love to see them against one another. Ooh, he may not be taking checks anymore to fight. But I see him jumping up on every network.
2: Every, yeah. I mean, have Chad yeah. Will the, cash in, okay? If there's one
1: thing Sean Porter likes, it's a camera and a microphone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and a paycheck on the end of it. All right, Sean, yeah. we're here for, for Spence, who got a fantastic fight. Yeah. You fought both of these guys. Maybe yeah. the winner will go on to fight for the undisputed title against Crawford. I don't know. Maybe Keith Thurman slides in. Lots to talk about for the future. But yeah. as it pertains to Saturday night, you saw those guys on the scale. You want to talk about... Showing Shredded. up for the big Shredded. ones. You're a yeah. guy who knows how to get in shape, too. Were you impressed when what you saw
0: there? I was very impressed by both these guys. I've seen had the opportunity to see Ugas train. He just looked very uh, content and and excited when I watched him train one-on-one. And then I uh, have an opportunity on, on my hand to watch Spence do his thing on his media workout. Both these guys look like they've done everything, have turn, turned over every stone. And uh, what we get tomorrow night is definitely going to be a treat.
1: All right, let me ask. Hardest part about be- fighting Ugas, who you beat, hardest part about fighting Spence, where it was close, but you obviously Split got it decision, in the end. decision,
0: yeah. With with Ugas, I think it was you. He, he had to tame the lion. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't buy in to my movement. He didn't buy into me wanting to box him from the outside. And round after round, he's coming right after me, telling me, come out, fight me. Like, I thought you were, you know what I mean? Like, like I really had to t- tame the lion and keep him at bay, you know? And then with Arrow, it was like just knowing, figuring out what to do every single second of every round was not an easy task, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So Arrow is a guy that's going to present you something. Once you once you answer that question, he's going to bring you another question, you know? Uh, what do you? What can you say about
2: Ugas' power? Not known for it, yet if you watch him against Manny Pacquiao, landed 60% of
0: his power shots and stood right in front of the legend. Do do they add up? His power, I think, is – it goes unrecognized. I think uh, – unrecognized, excuse me. I think that that he's stronger than a lot of people think. And um, with this boxing game, especially the welterweight division, it really only takes one punch. Mm -hmm. I think the welterweights and the heavyweights are the only – Divisions where one punch can change the outcome of a fight.
1: No doubt. All right, so for Spence, the game plan has to be what? Everything leads through the jab. But after that, body work as well. Does he have to press Ugas backwards? Like in terms of the real estate and who has to define it, who's got the bigger, more important role there?
0: The real estate. Whoever controls the real estate is who wins this fight. That's who wins this fight because whoever's controlling it means that they're being successful, whether that's on the end or that's on the inside. I would say if there's an advantage, or not that there's even an advantage, Ugas has to work up close. He has to get to the inside. That's that's who he is. That's what he does. He's not a one, two, three from the outside kind of guy. He's not going to turn and things like that. I believe that Errol Spence can control the range and the distance. I believe he can work from the outside. And then when it gets to the inside, I believe he's going to be comfortable there. You know what I mean? I think that this is Errol Spence's fight. This is going to be a thrill. It's going to be so interesting.
2: Is it as easy to say this? Because Spence, obviously, the headlines are the eye surgery, still recovering from the accident, 32, but still in his prime. But what he says, and I can't get over him saying it because it it seems real, is, okay, people want to see if I'm the same guy. I'm better than that guy, guys. I'm more dedicated and determined than
0: ever. Can that be true? Can he be even better than the guy that fought you in 2019? As a guy who's been through it, I'm telling everyone right now, a focused, determined Fighter that's put nothing but their energy into that and nothing else, which Errol Spence has not always done, makes you a better fighter. Errol Spence more than likely is a better fighter now than he was when he fought me. Guess that's what? He, dangerous. He's 32 now. He's had time to mature. He's had been through things that forced him to mature. This is we got a better Errol Spence Jr.
1: I mean, obviously the, the reality is some changes happened to him. The car accident. I mean, he was a part of the car accident, but when I mean it's a thing that happened to him. The eye injury. It's a thing that happened to him. But you see guys who make changes between events, yeah. and sometimes they don't make sense. Yeah, All of his changes make sense, including, one, he didn't change trainers, number one. Number two, he got out of the positions that were putting him in bad spots and then removed himself. You can be wary of the change, but it's not like any of it is showing red flags. Yeah. That's how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, you know, when I look at it, I look at it at like a guy who I, I believe he, he, he says this time and time again, I want to be great. Everybody says that when you do the things that – will make you be great, and you're not just doing it when people are watching, but you're doing it when no one's watching, that's the difference there. You know what I mean? So I believe that Errol Spence has put himself in the position to be great. He was already very good. Now he's put himself in the position to be great. You know, one time Sean had a talk with me. It wasn't in words. It was just his eyes. You know what
2: his (laughs) eyes were saying? He's like, BC, I see you trying to be the best broadcaster in the game today, (laughs) but your diet can't take you there right. under under the confines of what it is. <laughs> right. I've been judged by this man before. Okay, I can that's tell you not that. true
0: at all. The, the, what you saw was me admiring you. Yeah. My, whenever you see me looking at you and I'm not saying anything, I'm learning. You were admiring this this. I'm, I was glutton. learning. Yeah, you know this, yeah. Guy,
2: this guy is a fantastic broadcaster. And yeah, don't, him, you don't have to tell me I've heard. I tried because be. you're smooth. You're personable. But you also you've been there, man. I, yeah. Also, you, know, you got you kind of got the five tool game. Yeah, when it comes
0: yeah. To that. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying Try to. By the I want
1: to go back yeah. to tactics a little bit. So yeah. we, we all know about the strengths of both guys, the weaknesses. Biggest
0: weakness for Spence? What a lack of head but movement. You know what? What's crazy is I can't think of one. He doesn't for move. His, he doesn't move his head a lot. But he doesn't get hit. He he make, like he makes the right moves. So no, he's not he's not a left and right head movement kind of guy, but he steps offline. Right. He's responsible with deep with his defense. He always brings his hands back. I tweeted just the other day, like you talk about a guy that has the basics and fundamentals of boxing to a team. His balance is ha- good too. You have to be talking about Errol Spence Jr. Yeah. You know what I mean? So no, he's not he's not dipping and rolling and all those things. No no quick terms like me and nothing like that, but He's got the basics to a T, and the basics will get you out of trouble and they'll put you in good positions. What about Ugas? He's, again, not so much weakness, but there, every style has strengths and
1: weaknesses. What might be some of the weaknesses of that style he presents?
0: He does something that I wouldn't teach a fighter to do. He His defense is blocking, the shell defense. I wouldn't teach fighters to do that because it breaks you down, especially if you're in the ring with someone who's going to be relentless and not, not shy away from punching just because your hands are up they're gonna they're gonna look for the openings which usually end up being around and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll move your hands and things of that nature I don't personally like the shell defense however Spence has built himself up to be able to perform like that mm. so he's, he's it makes him a rare commodity guys who aren't built up to, to take punches on their arms and and and, and just wear all that they, they break down. He's not going to break down easily, but the fact that he's not mobile and the fact that he wears a lot of the shots on his arms, I don't like that about his game. Let
1: me pick your brain a little bit more. Now, I'm not saying these two fighters are equivalent. In fact, they're very different. I'm acknowledging that up front. No, 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 but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. I want to talk about Spence versus Lamont Peterson. Now, Lamont is different than Ugas, but it was still southpaw orthodox. And if yeah. you go back to that fight, Lamont was hiding behind that guard. And one of the things that Spence was able to do was if he jabbed a lot, you would see the hands come here, and then he would go around. Exactly. Or if the hands were here, then the, the punches got linear. Exactly. So, so Ugas is different than Peterson, but we've seen at least a little bit of
0: Spence dealing with something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up with, with Lamont Peterson, exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying that Peterson wasn't built to take the punches like that, but That really wasn't the style that he grew up using, and it wasn't the style that he used later on in his career. The first round wasn't like that, but then he kind of turned to using the shell defense and blocking a lot of shots, and like you said, Errol Spence knew how to set up the openings, throw here, to force him to go here so I can go around, and then the body work, and that fight played out the way that it played out. Errol Spence has the ability to break down just about anybody out there, and a guy like like Ugas, who's not very mobile and is going to wear a lot of the shots, he he, he uh, stands the risk of uh, getting broke down. I want to talk about how live an underdog Ugas
2: is because I thought it could be a trap fight against Manny Pacquiao. I did not expect the numbers difference. The 60% of power punches landed. He held Manny to 16% overall <laughs> landed. Like, that's CompuBox wild. Yeah. So it's, it's easy to say if the same Spence shows up or better than the one you fought, I like his chances here. How live is Ugas, though, if he's willing to realize this is my moment, this is the biggest fight of my life, I need to leave no doubt and fight at an offensive pace that's maybe not comfortable for me? Does that increase his live uh, live dog factor?
0: I would say right now this is a 65-45 fight. Okay. Um, does that even add up? No, that doesn't 65, add up. 65-35. 35. 35 but then, then it's less than I was than fine that. with the original uh, math. 45-55, yes. 40, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that works. that's what I meant. 45-55. My math was off. This is a 45-55 fight. It's not, I don't think it's 50-50, but it's that close. Mm-hmm. That it, it, there's, no, there's no surprises to me tomorrow night. I think what we got from Ugas and Pacquiao, we got a completely different Ugas than we've ever seen before. He was razor sharp. He was able to keep... Manny off balance, a guy that gets everybody else off balance. And yes, to 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 Ugas' credit, he didn't really do much of what he usually does, and that worked against him. But I I think Ugas proved that he can make adjustments and be a different fighter, depending on who's across from him. With that being said, I believe this is a 55-45 fight. I think it's
2: going the distance. I think there's some thriller potential, high skill, high pace, because Ugas. He gets up in your in your business behind the high guard. He kind of makes does. you fight.
0: He does. So it's going to be up to the three judges. You can't walk down. You like nobody. You don't walk down, Spence. No, no, you don't. You know what I mean? Like even when I took the fight, you, to tried. Spence, you tried. I was. It was head movement. It Tons was going of around. Movement, yes. You know what I mean? You got a lot. Of, you got to do a yeah. lot of things to to work that work to to take on or to take the fight to. You know what I mean? So I'm really curious to see what Ugas, what their tactics are to open up Spence and to hit him and not get hit. Does Ugas
2: have a better chance trying to outbox the boxer from the outside or making
0: it more of an action fight than we're used to Ugas fighting? If you you watch my fight with Spence, I started off boxing Spence. And I believe that I was outboxing him until he tried to adjust to that. Mm -hmm. And then I went into more of the pressure game. And then it became... Do both. I don't. I think, if anything, Ugas, oh you should try to box him from the outside first. See if you can have it, have success from the outside, opposed to just going in there, going right into the fire. You know what I mean? What, what do we do? We, we, we put the logs in before, and then we put the gas in, and then we light the fire. You go right into the fire. Something bad might happen. Okay, okay. What hipster
2: take is more accurate here? Because you've been in some close fights in your times. That maybe Sean Porter did enough to beat Errol Spence, or maybe they kind of robbed Ugas against you. <laughs> you set, you settled this uh, right now, okay? Maeve,
0: let's let's be fair. I uh, think I, I think I, uh, I, think I, uh, I think I did enough to beat uh, Errol Spence. I don't think they they robbed Ugas. I think.
2: I mean, do you send Jack Reese a Christmas card for missing that twelfth
0: round knockdown? No, it wasn't the knockdown. Oh, oh, wasn't a knockdown? Okay. Is that? I mean. Okay. So here, here here, was my thing. It's a little it knockdown issue. It, it, it was clearly a slip. I think on every angle that you can find, you don't see a punch landing. However, the, the, my thing is when I got up, I jumped in the air to let everybody know that, oh, hey, what Jack yep. Reese saw was right. I'm not hurt. And I don't think that anybody in the right mind first of all you're out of your mind once you get knocked down. So yep. but anybody in the right mind would not jump in the air if they're hurt or anything like that. So I was really just trying to show like, hey, I was knocked down and uh and, and I'm good, you That's know. A good fight, man. Was it was
1: there was the was the corner had it
0: have ice in it or something? It was a wet night. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was it had rained and, you know, just was the moment. Mm. You know, I, I think I squeaked by that moment and, you know, <laughs> went on to better things.
2: All right. If you stay away and continue your, your burgeoning podcast, uh, the Portaway podcast, great, great. Thank great, you, man. Great fight show right yeah, there. Yeah, it's you actually guys pretty a, good. You guys do a great job on social media, whoever's Thank running you. that for you. Yeah. So shout out to that. <laughs> shout out to that. Um, I will say, obviously, I would have loved Keith Thurman rematch. Are there any matchups that you... 20 years from now, we'll tell the grandkids, man, I wish. I mean, obviously, Floyd, you tried. Everybody tried. But is there anything? Manny, is there anything?
0: My thing, once I fought these guys, my thing was just, like, move forward and and, and be better on the next one. So when I fought Keith and people were screaming rematch, I was like, that was great. Like, why do we need a rematch? You know what I mean? Like, what if the rematch isn't as good Or, or whatever the case may be? And then, you know, we moved forward. People wanted the rematch with Earl. I was like, I want Terrence. And now, of course, people, you know, what rematch would you want? I believe at one point we did uh, we did the press conference for Manny and Errol before everything happened and Errol not didn't get the fight myself and Keith were in LA together and we were talking oh, oh we were talking oh, shit and I thought that I might be moving towards mm-hmm. a rematch with Keith and then um, things started to move into motion with me and, and Terence and I was very happy about that so um, I think that if I came back, I think probably the most promote, be, best promoted boxing match that I could have would be against Keith.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah that's yeah. It right. was on CBS, by the way, like five million. I remember, I remember yeah.
1: distinctly. All right, so for Spence, if he ends up winning, he's
0: talking to you like you don't know boxing. Who? Me? This guy. Yeah, he's talking I don't, like I don't know, don't know boxing, boxing
1: like him. I don't know boxing yeah. like him. Right. I, came, I came from MMA, so I'm still well, a a... Well, I'll take
0: offense to it for you. How about that? Thank you. I yeah. appreciate
1: that. So, stop so, that. Yeah. Jerk job. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Why don't you go eat some gas station food, loser?
2: I got this spot on my crotch. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm yeah, trying what, to play it off as soda. Why don't you
1: stop urinating in your <laughs> yeah. pants? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> question yeah. for you is, you fought, Spence, you fought, uh, obviously, Bud Crawford. We don't know what's going to happen with Bud. I don't know where else he could sign to get the fights that matter, but separate conversation. Let's yeah. see he signs with PBC. Yeah. And then you have Spence versus Crawford. Everyone's asked you about it, but really, how how does that fight look in your brain?
0: I haven't looked at it much, um, but a lot like like I said about this fight. Whoever can control the range and yeah. the distance, that's who will win the fight. Um, that's 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 a pure boxing match. I believe we get we get aggression, more aggression from Arrow in that fight. We get great boxing from Terrence. And um, at the moment, that's a, to- a coin toss in terms of who wins at the end of the night. Are
1: they different styles, but are they equivalent in Fight IQ? They are.
0: They are. They are very, very much so equivalent. If I had to say one was what had more intellect and was more intelligent in the ring, I would say that I saw more better. I, I could see the thinking in the eyes of Terrence Crawford. Mm. That my boy yeah, was a Yeah, I've thinking. always framed it. Tell me tell me if I'm wrong. Thank you. I framed it that Spence is the pinnacle of what you
2: can do as a southpaw with a conventional well rounded game. Mm. But Crawford's the abstract painter who can yeah. do shit that you didn't think. Crawford of. puts yeah.
1: himself in harm's way sometimes to get the shots that he wants. It's a little unusual to see that. Yeah. I don't know if he did that against me. Not maybe so much he you. Did. Not yeah, so much. I
0: you. Maybe he did, but um but he does. It's it's almost like he's he's willing to kind of Take those shots, you know. He's he's the pitcher that's willing to throw the fastball no matter what. Right. You know? Right. So, you you're not a, you're not a tattoo guy. I'm not. No tattoos. No, no tattoos. No tat- I tell people I got two tattoos, my birthmarks. There it is. <laughs> is. Yeah. You, you got a couple tattoos from your from your yeah, time but, in the game. Yeah, Errol got the full the, the full back done. Saw, that? That. I that's saw that. That's aggressive. It's a lot of work. It's aggressive. Uh, I mean, it, he looks good with it. You know, I I just never wanted to do the tattoo thing, and I'm not against them or not against anyone that does them. But to see him get all of that, like, Start, start slow, but he was just like, I'm going for it. You That's know? A, so bi- a back piece a cool, large commitment. It's pretty cool. It's pretty. Uh, cool. We
2: are we are trying to improve in the pod game ourselves through sponsorships. We're trying to get Delta 8 up in here. Yeah, Delta We're 8, trying 8. To Let's get, go. But you once had a major sponsor that Twitter loved. Do you ever remember when he was represented by Ultimate Sack? <laughs> it was this no. beanbag company, and he'd show up with the headband that said Ultimate Sack. Bro, that has never been more on brand for our
1: show. We, yeah, so Ultimate Sack. We, we need to get hooked up with those. Shout
0: folks, out to right. Ultimate Sack, and shout out to Blue Wire. Um, We will be, uh, we just signed with Blue Wire Platform. We'll be uh, streaming our, our podcast through the Blue Wire Studio at the Wynn Casino, Hotel and Casino nice. now. So, yeah. We You're based out of Vegas? Yes, sir. The podcast is moving on up. Good for you. Thank you, Sean man. So, Porter, man. I it's could, good. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, hey, this I know. Was, I know. This was great. I I, this,
2: thank you for stopping by. Do you have a final prediction? Are you willing to do yeah, that?
1: Because well, we, we were talking in on the stage here, and we did the weigh-ins, and some folks think it goes the distance. I think it goes the distance. What about you?
0: Oh, I never. I, I really don't like making predictions. Uh, I like to tell y'all why it happened. But I, I see this fight going the distance. And I believe that this Aero, Aero Spence will win this fight.
1: Okay. Yeah. Me too. If
0: it doesn't go the distance, I see Aero Spence. I got, you,
1: know, you know what I've noticed? A lot of people give Ugas his flowers, like, okay, he's good, blah, blah, blah. I don't see a lot of people picking him.
0: I'm not That's picking him. That's his whole him. life. That's his, That's whole, his life, whole life. Though. I'm not picking him, but I'm definitely not counting him out. Sure. If the first round and everybody's like, oh, Ugas won that round. I'm like, yeah, he won that round. Like, he's good. You know what I mean? So I just, I'm just I, I believe in both corners. To wrap it up for me, I believe in both corners. Uh, Derek James and Silas are two of I, of, I think the number one, of the, two of the finer men in boxing. Yes, and coach, two of oh, the best. Ishmael coaches. Ishmael
2: Silas, you're talking. Uka Ishmael Silas, yes. Yes. yes.
0: Um, uh, with that being said, I believe they're gonna have some work and cut out for them on fight night. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. The so adjustments upon adjustments. They That's are right. the college professors that are willing to come to the classroom and teach. And make adjustments round after round. So it's gonna be a great fight. Good good shit, Sean Porter. Thank you for doing it, sir. Nice to okay. see you, Sean. Nice to Thank see you. Thank you so much for stopping Absolutely. by. We gotta talk
1: nice. MMA now, but
0: I don't think hey, you wanna talk about Don't talk MMA. about my hair when I leave. I know oh, that my, boy. you've oh, already boy. been warned. If I hear
2: something look, look, coming look, back. Look, people have been talking about your suits, I had to defend you, Stephen Jackson. Yeah, Stephen Jackson had okay. things to say about your suit. Okay. Yes, All right, you fair will. enough. Thank you. Thank you, Sean Porter. He's the Thank Ivers you so much. There. He's always I mean, matching. Yeah. I mean, that's great stuff. That Look at that. Great. Look at that. Look at those Look at kicks that. right there. Uh, special thanks, of course, to Sean Porter, who's having a really awful hair day. But he's a great man. He's a great man on top of that. Luke, we saw them on the scales. If anybody's tuning in late, we just hosted the uh, live weigh-in, which you can watch on Showtime's YouTube channel. It was us two. It was Raul Marquez. It was yep. Steven Jackson. Yep. Special guest from the Dallas Cowboys. Micah uh, Parsons. Micah, Micah Parsons, the uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, was in the house. So, Big stars, big events. Luke, I checked into my hotel room and looked at that very view. Yeah, I got a great right view as well. There. Texas live in the house. A lot of MK fans, I I think, I hope are lingering around here. Some fans. Some,
1: maybe. I've seen a few. I've, I've seen been, a few. I've been
2: told some nice things, but look, the whole point is this fight matters. Luke, let's talk about it, dude. In the last forty years, really since we've been alive, welterweight is the king division. Boxing heavyweight comes and goes, right? It it, it injects the sport and then it leaves, but this is just the twelfth welterweight unification fight in history in this division. And we're talking about fights like Leonard Hearns, like De La Hoya Trinidad, like Pacquiao Mayweather. Maybe this one doesn't have that same name sex appeal, but it is stakes-wise, three or four titles at stakes, the, the 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 potential of the winner fighting Terrence Crawford. I mean, it feels as big as it gets, Luke, and as we talked about with those shredded bodies on stage, man, no stone left unturned from these
1: No, events. not at all. Those guys look to be in tremendous condition. Um... And again, you heard Errol Spence talk about the weight cut and how it went so much better this time. And, you know, you get guys at this level. I'm not saying that every training camp is perfect, every weight cut is perfect, but you know as well as I do, if they're this deep into the game and and they're this elite, they cross every T, they dot every I. You never have to worry about it. It's never a thing. So and I have to say to your point, like, you know, does it carry the same Pacquiao Mayweather name value? No, it does not. But, dude, you ask anybody who's a boxing insider about their excitement on this one, even if they're picking Errol Spence, there's a little bit of trepidation in their voice because you have so, you have such tactically intelligent fighters. You have guys who can do that kind of thing. And, dude, on top of that, you know, I, I, I would just say personally, this is maybe a strong way to put it. But I, dude, Errol Spence. We'll see what version of it we get. Errol Spence. I'm not going to say he's a boxing genius, but he's pretty close. He's pretty close to that. He I'm is telling incredibly you, good.
2: He's on his way to being an all-time Time and great. Do, and like Ugas, an all-timer.
1: And Ugas doesn't have that kind of resume, but he's so tricky and technical and skilled that if you're not on your game, he'll eat you alive. And so it's such an interesting moment with all the questions, with all the difficulties, with the combining of the weight class titles. The only one left after this will be, of course, the winner here will have three, but the outside of that is Terrence Crawford. That is it. So it is huge stakes, huge fight, really important. I've been telling all my friends this is the boxing fight to make time for.
2: Absolutely, and it's, it's like, look, you look at the betting odds as they stand now. Errol Spence, a minus 550 favorite. Your Dennis Ugas, plus 400 for boxing terms, with, which typically has wider odds. That's not awful, but it's still pretty wide. But here's the thing you got to ask yourself. It's like, did I expect Ugas to fight that good against Sean Porter a couple years ago? No. He came on in the second half, made the adjustments start walking Porter down, and as we talked about, might have dropped Porter and des- deserved maybe a winning nod. Then he comes in against Pacquiao in late notice last fall, and we're going, okay, Pacquiao's still the favorite, but that's based on the Pacquiao from two years earlier right. against Keith Thurman, who hadn't fought during the pandemic, and you saw statistically what your, your Dennis Ugas did. I mean, he In a fight that was close in the end on the scores, what your eye saw, though, was a fair, not one-sided, but a a, a clear victory. I didn't think he was gonna be able to dictate the terms of his offense against Pacquiao the way he did. And Luke, how your Dennis Ugas does that is the high guard getting in close on you, but never leaving himself open. His nope. defensive responsibility for a guy who puts the pressure on you is very, very interesting to watch. You don't—I I bring up the Winky Wright comparison. You don't see a lot of fighters these days who aren't brawlers who are able to hide behind that big, that high guard and get in punching range and stay there yeah. against elite folks. And he
1: doesn't. To what Sean Porter said, you watch the tape on Ugas, and it's pretty clear he doesn't move a ton. He is what he does move in terms of whatever punch he throws or ever the lateral movement with his feet and his footwork. By the way, we should talk about it. his footwork. He's not a dynamic mover, but his footwork is very precise. Where he takes a step and how far he takes a step and how he balances his weight, all of it carries massive implications. Yeah, for what you name.
2: mean is sometimes a half step to the right, yes. to unload a punch, yes. and right back into, That's right. into range. It's here. not a
1: ton of movement, but what is moved is extremely precise. And for that reason, by the way, we don't talk about this, that keeps his cardio up as well because he doesn't do a ton to tire himself out. His defense is stout, as you mentioned. A great judge of distance, a great judge of angles. Dude, Errol Spence, I think he's going to, in the end, be a little bit too much for Ugas, but the early going, those are going to be very difficult problems to solve. That's
2: the thing about picking against Ugas here. If you're telling me I'm getting a a prime version of Spence, if it's possibly true that at 32 he can be better than he was in the past because the preparation is better and the commitment, okay, I certainly like his chances. He's He's the rightful favorite. Ugas has spent a whole career proving people wrong, leaving Cuba on a treacherous journey, which every Cuban exiling has some wild story that they have overcome. And then what I don't think is talked about enough, Ugas in 2014-ish is this interesting prospect with a Cuban amateur background, but loses two in a row. He's suddenly 15-3, and takes two years off of the game and then comes back and goes on the win streak that he's on. He's 6-1 against left-handers overall, Ugas. The only loss game against Emmanuel Roblox way back during that losing streak, and it was so early in his rise. He got dropped, he faded late. He doesn't do that anymore. He's such an interesting ch- test for anybody, but he has the potential to make this such an interesting chess match for Spence. So, if I try to get in my mind's eyes, Luke, and, and figure out what is this fight gonna look like. I asked Sean Porter this, I wanna ask you this, because I th- it's a tilted question. If Ugas' plan is to try to outbox Spence, I think he loses by decision and he doesn't win this. If his idea is to come out brawling, it's not who he is. But Luke, I think Ugas needs a high pressure. That's right. A close in stance, high pressure style, high behind the guard. Yes, you got to be responsible on defense. Yes, the body shots from Spence could be killer. But Spence's weapon is the jab. He is the most prolific and most accurate jabber among welterweights, according to CompuBox, in the game. But now this is a southpaw-righty matchup. The jab's not going to be as effective. If Ugas can get inside and make Spence...
1: Oh, I think the jab's going to be effective.
2: I don't mean make Spence brawl him, but maybe do what Sean Porter did. Make the action fighter of Spence come out. I believe that is Ugas' best chance to win the fight. Do you agree with me?
1: I do agree. I do agree completely. I mean, just think about it rationally. We talk about this all the time in MMA, but the same... It's, it's a similar rule for boxing, but a little bit different because I do believe that the guys in boxing have better footwork and better ring craft to move around. So it's a little bit less true, but still true. Dude, if Errol Spence has room to move, to set up jabs, to angle off, to work into body work, you guys have to understand something. Spence is very good about lining up things and then changing the angle of it ever so slightly so it's the same combination work sometimes, but the, now the targeting of the where he, he's hitting it is totally different. He is able to mix these in and, in a very unpredictable kind of way. So that's really difficult for him. So if he's able, or that's a really strong thing of him, so he's able to move a lot if he's able to time the jab and work off the angles. It's hard to see exactly how Ugas can win that. Conversely, if Ugas can control not just the real estate between himself, and Spence, but the real estate behind Spence. Dude, I think it's going to be key. Not just getting Spence up against the ropes. you got to work up against the ropes. Those are valuable moments that he's going to have to take clear advantage of. And if he does, if you really can work him over there, that's going to be a very tough thing for Spence to deal with. So pay attention. The distance between them and then what's behind Spence. Yeah. If he's got all that room to move, I don't know what it, this is going to do. that's what Mikey
2: Garcia found out when Spence purposely stood on the outside and outboxed him and said, I want to prove to you what I can do. Right, Ugas is going to have to make... the Look, all championship adjustments are needed in a fight this big. But there's an equation for Ugas that I think might be tough to swallow. It's this. Even if he executes his game plan to perfection, if Spence has no lingering effects from the things that have held him back, it still might not be enough. Do you
1: correct. believe that to be true? I, I believe that's absolutely correct. He's got to go in there and do more than... Well, I don't know what the game plan is. If the game plan is to back up Spence, then yes, you could do everything you game plan for and then you might win. But I think if even if he's still successful in counterboxing at times, that won't be enough. You really have to control Errol Spence. But
2: Spence's chin is so good. Nobody really hurts him. That's the problem.
1: Fair enough, but he's also 33 with the time off, and he's in good shape. I'm not expecting the chin to deteriorate, but at a at a bare minimum, you gotta test it. You have to you have to you have to make Spence Second guess, because if he can just begin to build off the jab and then the jab to the body work, dude, he is going to be off to oh, the that races.
2: That, he's a great body. He's going to be off People to the races. People don't talk about him enough, Spence.
1: To no, dude, he, and is, he has so, his targeting of the body is so precise. Also, one thing we don't talk about enough, I kind of went into it a little bit, the lead hand of... Errol Spence does a ton of work. He doesn't just jab with it. As you mentioned, he is prodigious with it, landing seven jabs around, whereas most welterweights are somewhere around five per round. So he's he's more active with it, and he lands with it, and all the offense builds. But he controls with it. Pay attention to the lead hand. Why do I bring this up? Because a lot of times he'll grab the gloves down like a hand trap. He'll pin the hands to them. He'll use his own glove to blind and hold and push. By the way, that time he knocked down Sean Porter, pay attention. He has his hand here. He pushes down on Sean Porter, and that's when the punch came through. So what I'm trying to point out here is, if Ugas is doing a lot of this, let's see what Spence does with that lead hand to grab the hand, to pin the hand, to move it away. He's very active with it. I'm looking for that as well.
2: As always, more content we give you. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. You can get Luke's entire dissected breakdown of both Ugas and Spence's biggest wins and how that might play into Saturday's fight. I also have an interview with Spence's trainer, Derek James, that you can check out as well. Luke, we're going to get into the prediction, but just a reset this Saturday, it's pay-per-view, 9pm Eastern. Go to show, SA hbo.com/ppv. You can order it now. You're going to you're gonna need to see this main event. Obviously, it's a stacked pay-per-view main card, which also has Uriah Scamboa, the veteran in the co-main against Isak Pitbull Cruz. We just saw Cruz against Gervonta Davis. He missed weight the first time around. now had to come back a second time. That's something to watch. Mm-hmm. We've got Josecito Lopez going in there against unbeaten Jose Val- Valenzuela, and also Cody Crowley, 20-0, the welterweight. First big step-up test against Josecito Lopez. But, Luke, we also have a two-fight I don't want to call it a preview card ahead of this pay per view. It goes down 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday on both regular Showtime and on Showtime's YouTube channel. It's a special Showtime Championship Boxing Edition, two fights. I'll be on the call along with my traditional showbox team of Barry Tompkins, Roel Marquez, and Steve Farhood. And Luke, this main event for the secondary WBA welterweight title, which has Rajab Butayev against uh, Stanionsis, my, my Lithuanian. Your, brother. Your brother, My yeah. Montis Stanionis. Uh, Luke. This, there's going to be fireworks in this one. So people yeah, so should definitely is, check that one this out This is as
1: well. fun. Do you, if you have Showtime, you can watch it on Showtime. If not, you can hear BC, Raul Marquez. Is Barry Tompkins on the call as, yeah, as well? Absolutely. Yeah, so they're going to be calling that. Those are free. Those are going to be starting at 7 p.m. 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 Eastern
2: tomorrow. Check that out. Luke, main event pick, and obviously this is a monster weekend for Showtime sports in general. We're going to get to the Bellator card, which is tonight in a second, along with UFC. Spence, who, who wins and why?
1: I'm going to go Errol Spence. I think Errol Spence is a bach. Bo- Again, if he's not a genius, he's pretty goddamn close to it. I think he has got way too many tools to win. I, like everyone else, I recognize we are probably underestimating Ugas on some level. We're going to see what that level is on Saturday night, but you're asking me for the pick. I'm going to go Errol Spence by decision yeah, Saturday night.
2: I like Spence by decision. I think it'll be unanimous. I think it'll be close. There's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be adjustments that are needed. I do think Ugas will surprise, but there's another surprise that can happen. Spence is even better than we think he is, mm. and you say, "B.C., how is that possible?" He's already got the best resume of welterweights right now. Look, I still don't think that man, Errol Spence, has been pushed to the absolute limit of what's in him. Sean Porter came close, pulled that dog out of him. If the more, the better. So what I'm saying is, the better Ugas performs,
1: the better Spence will perform across from him. Also, I would say, I've seen Spence tested physically. Ugas. We'll test him physically as well, but I think Ugas also has a little bit more of a mental stress. Yes, yes. Um, and so that'll be interesting because, you know, Kel Brook was physical. Sean Porter was physical, at least for parts of that fight. Ugas is not exactly going to, unless he just, you know, Spence falls off a cliff, but um, that'll be interesting. That, that this is pressure.
2: such a great fight. Can't wait. Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Showtime pay-per-view. Showtime, though. Wow, the home of combat sports not just uh, puts out great award-winning podcasts like the one you're watching right now. But tonight, San Jose, no, is it San Jose? San Jose. California, Bellator 277. And, Luke, this is a a, a, a double main event, they're calling it. And these they two should. title fights, I mean, they could headline any any MMA card in the world. A.J. McKee, Patricio Pitbull, two for the Bellator MMA featherweight title. They met in the finals of the World Grand Prix last year. And, Luke, within, what, a minute in some change, we saw A.J. McKee Put it on the damn Pitbull, the face of the franchise, the greatest fighter pound for pound in Bellator history, and it was over like that, guillotine choke, he basically took the best fighter pound for pound in that company, put him in his own finishing move, and choked him out after beating him down.
1: Yes. I mean, mean, you know,
2: that's that's fine, we don't need it. Luke, as it pertains, I don't even think people realize how great the second fight was. The first fight on paper was rightfully the, the best fight in Bellator history. They're, they're still right there. One and two more, or less pound Modern for pound. It's the going. best
1: fighting belt. No, Russia. no. It's the biggest. The biggest, yeah. most biggest. But even know. then, that's not true because Kimbo was bigger. But I know okay, you
2: be. love that point. The whole point about the stakes, the yes. names, yes. the, the homegrown, yes. The, yes. all that. Lucas as we enter into this rematch, is it, is it as easy to say we're going to find out the answers that we didn't learn the first time around because McKee was just that efficient and that quick and that good?
1: Well, we can't. So there's a real possibility of it. We, there's a lot of debate. Like, what would have happened if Askren would not have been kneed in the head yeah. by Jorge Masvidal? Would he have won? Connor against Aldo. Aldo. What would a second fight have looked me like? Me
2: against you if I put that shit in and just went after
1: the, it. I mean, you would need the rematch, not me. But the point I'm trying to make here is... The first fight, I can't say it's not representative. What happened, happened. AJ McKee went and did that to Pitbull. But you've got to understand something about Pitbull in particular. He's the rematch king. He fought Strauss three times. I think Curran a couple of times, if not more than that. Weishel several times. Did the you say Strauss four times? Strauss is four. For four sure, times. that's four Damn. times they fought. The guy gets better in rematches. Here's the thing me, BC. Here's what I'm watching for. Dude, AJ McKee is so fast. And so explosive and so full of confidence. He went in there and just, I'm not saying he didn't take Pitbull seriously, but he went in there fully in command of his own greatness. Like, I am inevitable. I am Thanos. If I'm Pitbull, I think you have to respect that a little bit. He needs to go in there, and Pitbull is well-rounded at this point. He's used to getting people out of there with the hands. I think this time you should wrestle A.J. McKee. A.J. McKee mm-hmm. has shown some weaknesses, not so much like he's a bad wrestler. Who's
2: put A.J. on his back in, in Bellator?
1: Derek Campos was, was arguably, I'm not going to say beating him, but was taking him down and kind of giving him problems up until he got triangled in the third round. Darian Caldwell is a guy who can wrestle so, uh, so pretty well.
2: Like what Gleason Tebow did to young Habib.
1: No, because no, Campos took down McKee. Like, McKee was off of his back for several rounds. So what I'm pointing out is, even if people can't do that, you don't have to hold him down. But, dude, you got to make McKee face doubt. If you got to make McKee back up. You have to make McKee go to second, third order attacks. If he can just go out there and then flow with it like he does, dude, he's going to be his range. Dude, have you noticed how well... A guy like McKee with his speed and his decision-making can cover distance. It's like lightning he can do it. you got to take that away from him.
2: If McKee is able to have a similar mind-blowing minute-and-a-half efficient finish where you're just like, what the damn hell? I mean, is he the... He, calls, he already calls himself the Mayweather of MMA. Is he like the Tiger Woods of MMA, if that happens? I mean, we are, Luke, I mean, hyperbole is... Well, Tiger Woods has
1: made $2 billion there's in his deg- career. Yeah,
2: He's got a libido and a half, too, okay? <laughs> there are degrees, Luke, of, of hyperbole here. But if A.J. McKee beats Pitbull a second time, and if he does it in any way that's thorough and convincing, I mean, dude, we are... Forget about this idea of, oh, whoever wins this light heavyweight Grand Prix could be the best light heavyweight in the world. McKee's among the best fighters on the globe if you this be,
1: You beat Pitbull twice, and especially if you do it by stoppage twice. Good I, Lord. I just don't think folks understand how good that is. And again, I'm going to repeat it one more time. When they met in the finals of the featherweight Grand Prix, understand... Pitbull didn't limp his way in there. He beat the shit out of everyone to face oh, Emmanuel in the Sanchez finals. in that semifinal? Emmanuel semifinals? Sanchez. Woo. Dude, he just ran over the folks they put in front of him. So he's still a viable contender in this particular case, but he's still very much with it. This is going to be a, for a guy who is known for performing much better in rematches. And also, we should say this pressure is on both guys. Pressure's on Pitbull. Yes. You don't get this one back. Hard to know where you go from Well, there. we start talking about
2: what other big money fights are left in your career. That's, That's what we right. start talking That's about. That's right. Yet, if he wins this and wins back the title, we're probably talking about a trilogy with McKee. So, look, I want McKee to be tested here. I want this to go rounds. I want to find out exactly what he's made of. I want him on his back. I want to see a lot of these different scenarios.
1: Again, Pitbull's again, pit well-rounded. We want to see the well-roundedness. But McKee might be that great to get him out
2: of there. All right, we'll see. Agent McKee, minus 335, your betting favorite. Patricio Pitbull plus two sixty. That's it's pretty high. <sighs> you gotta love McKee, but dude, if I'm a gambler, and I'm not Luke, because I'm a cheap bastard. You know that about me. I'm a I'm sorry, it's a character fall, I'm a cheap yeah. s- fucking skate. Yeah. Okay? Because I've been skating on sneakers, no wheels. Decano, okay? as my wife would okay. say. Yeah, gringo decano. Right? Decano, yeah. Gringo Tacano. Yo, we met a couple Colombians here. We did? All
1: right. We do. They recognized you. They did. They. They. I. I. I understand these people.
2: Uh, Luke, uh, you know, if I was a gambler, I might be throwing plus money here at Pitbull. If you're a Pitbull, though, how do you win this wrestling? You mentioned is, is does it behoove you to try to brawl McKee, or is that just walking into a spider
1: web? I think that's leave you. a
2: message and I'll call you back. Yeah,
1: I think that's definitely the the old Gwen Stefani 1996. Um, no doubt, bro. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah dude. I don't. I, I mean, I, I just feel like I'm not saying that. It's kind of crazy. To, isn't it crazy to say? I don't know if Pitbull can win a striking match with AJ McKee. I that's, think it's crazy, crazy to create. then you're crazy. But do you agree with me? At least to start, you got to slow McKee down. If McKee has all that youthful energy and ability and confidence, you're fighting one version of him. You have to have... You have to have a little bit of patience, drain him, and then start the fight. And then if you do that, it's a very much a different ballgame.
2: Well, McKee has let his intentions known. he plans on beating Patricio a second time, then moving up to lightweight and facing his brother, Patricky to become a two-division title holder. And why this is relevant, because we've had an interesting couple days for McKee doing the media round, specifically with Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour. Luke, AJ McKee reporting that he has turned down contract extension offers from Bellator he says he wants one million per fight as his minimum he said Bellator has offered as high as 500,000 that was Ariel kind of yanking and getting it out of him mm-hmm. and he's claiming Bellator has only offered 250 for this fight which he took now you're saying well what's really going on here technically his Bellator contract is over but because he won the championship the championship clause has kicked in per Ariel. This is fight one of a three-fight extension. extension based on winning the championship. It's hard to have this conversation because we don't know if McKee's going to win this fight, right? So that happens tonight, Bellator 277 on Showtime. We're going to find out. If you are Scott Coker and company, I don't know what the answer is. Can, can you afford $1 million per fight for a special, special, special talent that could be the face of your franchise for a long-ass time? I mean, here's
1: what you have to realize. Folks are like... You know, oh, well, there's two things I've seen. Oh, AJ's asking for too much money. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's undefeated. Came up through Bellator entirely and beat Patricio Pitbull, the overall up to that point and maybe even still now the greatest fighter in Bellator history. Like that. And he did it like nothing. Like that he should be commanding uh, numbers like that. But the question you have to ask yourself is, if you look at the numbers, Bellator gives out about 45, 46 percent of their overall revenue to fighters. The margin for how much they can add to that is pretty thin. So. While I completely understand uh, Bellator saying, "Well, 250 is what we've got." I also understand AJ McKee being like, "Right, not good enough." What I would say is, if Bellator, if he wins, Bellator has to do everything possible to keep him, which means also probably calling up the the, the people at CBS and saying, "Paramount, our Paramount, what do we got to do to get him on your network? Because we need you to help pay for him." And I think that's legitimate and real. And if they don't put that on the table, I honestly don't know how they retain him. I mean, Luke,
2: if you're talking, look, will there will there always be? the want for someone this great to go to the UFC and test himself. Of, of course. course. He's also hella young. We see the intention that he has of beating Patricio. And
1: super smart. We should say that, beating he's Patricchi. super smart.
2: And look, I don't think it's out of the realm for him to move up to welterweight one day and challenge for a title there. I don't, th- I mean, it's crazy, but- Crazy if, right now. If his skill is really that great, yes. I don't I don't have limits for him in that regard. There are big fights, there's the CBS connection, maybe there's the boxing crossover. There's a lot you could potentially do, but it will be a very important negotiation in this world of, of lack of fighter pay, because even if he did entertain a UFC deal, uh, you ain't making $1 million per.
1: No. I'll tell you that much. Well, even then, he could. It, listen, the best way to get a UFC contract is to not come up through the ranks. It's to be acquired. Yes. When there was more MMA organizations like Sengoku and Dream and everything else, you would see that the prospects that got signed over there, all the contenders anyway, they would have huge money because they they, they was the, someone was competing to acquire their services. So a million seems a little high, but I'm telling you, a guy this good, if he goes in there and who knows what could be in the next three fights. If he loses, forget about it, but if he wins three more, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to pay for him, no matter who gets him. And um, I, I don't think and a million's you know, crazy at all.
2: A key lesson that we've all heard, but you don't really learn it until you're in that spot negotiating, it's your contract that you sign is is not what you're worth. You know, it's you're you negotiating you negotiate. So, you know, if you can package a couple podcast awards into a negotiation
1: period, yeah. if you're a
2: big-time host like we are. in uh, Big you know, time?
1: Middle time? Yeah. I mean, there's people around us eating, but they don't care about us. Down here, it's our t- Up there, it's their time. Down here, it's our time. That's right. Our time.
2: Uh, Luke, uh, this goes down tonight on Showtime from San Jose. How do you, how do you handicap this in the end?
1: Tough one, because you got so little of the first one. I tend to think that McKee... Winning is in no way accidental. I also think that him doing what he did the first time a second time seems almost impossible to believe. Uh, I think Patricio is going to push him late, but I tend to think that the power and then the speed of A.J. McKee really will make a difference. It's going to be hard for Patricio to have any answer for that. So I take Patricio's chances very seriously. I give him a better chance to win than I do for Ugas against Spence. Um, and I already have, you know, a lot of respect for Ugas, but I, I, A.J. McKee is not here by accident.
2: Sometimes when we get into these prediction situations, it's sort of like, okay, what's the most likely thing to happen and what's the best thing to happen for business? And sometimes right. those collide. You know what I think? What is the best for business, for us learning the lessons we're supposed to learn is that A.J. McKee wins this rematch, but he has to do it over five rounds. And there's ebbs and flows, there's adjustments, time spent on his back, time spent in a toe-to-toe war with Pipple, which you don't really want to do for length. We're going to find out a lot, I think, this time around of what we're supposed to find out. I like McKee winning a decision. Question. And I think he has to walk through hell. Walk Mc- through hell, Luke, so, to get there. So uh,
1: Pitbull uh, versus McKee 2, we're just coming off of Volkanovsky Korean Zombie. What will be more competitive, Volkanovsky Zombie or McKee Pitbull 2 when it's all said and done? Not, how do you rate them? I'm talking about the fights.
2: I think this rematch with Pitbull will be more competitive, but I said that the first time, Luke. So. Right. I you mean, too. I mean that's the thing, Luke, because you know AJ McKee, I think, is doing the right thing in the media stops this week and saying, "Hey, Volkanovsky, I see you, bro, but I'm not impressed." Yeah. That's the way you need to yeah. talk. Okay? Plant seeds, okay? Spray that seed
1: all over the place,
0: In, right, your, like, in your face.
2: Like <coughs> <coughs> so,
1: what? You, uh, boy, you've been smoking that Delta Eight.
2: Uh, you can't, Luke. Um, there are some people that thought. If we did another show, if Morning Combat ever got back on the air, that you may have murdered half of our production staff, okay? Crossed my mind. you
1: want to address that at all before we move forward? Well, it's complicated because we have – what people don't understand is that we have staff. We work for Showtime. We work for CBS Sports. And so coordinating things can sometimes be a little bit difficult. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, especially because I've got my own production challenges and my own errors, but we are aware of all the things that you're aware of that went wrong, and they, both on Monday and, we and hate, Tuesday. We hate
2: that shit, too, just so you know, okay?
1: Trust me, we, I had a conniption fit on Tuesday, which was not anyone here's fault. It was a, a different sort of circumstance. But, yes, trust me when I tell you we are aware, and, um, you know, we, we, we're handling it You know what today. I think
2: we should turn Morning Combat into? It's already basically... Having an
1: intervention with our producers? It's
2: already a sitcom and a, an award-winning show. I think we should go more like reality show, like Survivor style. So what I'll do is next week I'll put out my Malka Power rankings so that people know where they stand. Yeah. And then every week, then every week, one guy gets voted off the island. You yeah. know what I mean? One girl or one guy. You know? And then sort hey, hey, of, hey, you Could had a the, good run. Can, the,
1: can, the, can the, the audience hear you, Corey? Yeah. Okay, okay. No, they cannot. Okay. You know, some people... <laughs> yes, yes. We want, make, want to make sure that they... By the way...
2: Could Jay Aaron have worn more Dallas Cowboy paraphernalia when he walked
1: in? Jay Aaron is such a piece of shit. He
2: He had socks, t-shirts. He's such a
1: fucking loser. Uh, All right. The audience can hear me. Okay,
2: Manich. What do you got, bro? I'm saying BC pre-show of the weigh-in. You told me I was pound for pound. Number one? Did I say number one? You said that to Raul Marquez. You know, I did say that. You might back, have just I'll been back blowing smoke, but you no, said it. No, all the smoke. I'll, I'll back that up, okay? Because right now, RJ, our merch maven, number, he's number two. He's number two, all right? I'm going to lose a lot of friends being this blunt and
1: honest. i okay? got to take a number two. That's okay. what i got yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, Luke. Uh, this co-main event could main event anywhere else. It is the finals of the Light Heavyweight World Grand Prix. $1 million at, at stake. And Vadim Nemkov continuing this run of coming out of nowhere, winning the Light Heavyweight title, beating everybody once, even twice that they put in front of him. But now he's got the hard charging, high rising Corey Ot Anderson. Luke, great freaking fight! Sick fight! Great fight, and nobody's talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's
1: flying look. under the radar big time. And
2: how about these odds? Plus one fifty Vadim Nemkov, plus one thirty Corey Anderson. Oh, is that right. Do,
1: oh, they've got Nemkov as the underdog. No, but they're both plus.
2: Is that right? Did, did Mikey enter this wrong? Anybody got? If they, five if odds if they were on both,
1: that? if they were both in the odds, then it would, it be, would be negative that. Negative, two negatives. Right? Yes.
2: Two wrongs don't make a right in
1: this case. Two wrongs don't make a. Hey, right. Hey, how
2: about our camera guy? You know Phil? Do you know what they call him behind the scenes here? You know Phil from Vanderbilt. The they,
1: they call him Rocco Sofredi? They call him Phil. Roc-
2: Rocco Phil Freddy. The guy in the camera. The guy who loves the old woman. They call him Filthy Phil. Isn't that isn't that just apropos, Luke? So wait, they've got Chef's Kiss, right, Phil?
1: Yeah. They oh no no no. So they've got Nemkov minus one sixty. Yeah. Corey Anderson plus one thirty. Mike, these got, odds
2: are bullshit that you gave. They've me.
1: got, they've got, uh, they've got Anderson as. The, All right, uh, Luke.
2: Anderson's um, Red Hot since leaving the UFC on his own terms, getting out of that deal. He's beating everybody they put in front of him, and dude, he just beat the freaking bags <laughs> off Ryan Bader. I mean, he just crushed him. Luke, can he do the same to Vadim Ilkov? Yes,
1: he can. He absolutely can. Uh, Corey Anderson, folks, always. Whenever a fighter's vulnerabilities have been shown to you, people hyper magnify them. Right? They say, oh, I've, especially if you fought someone who you haven't seen necessarily look as bad. But of course, they might have fought you a know, wildly different competition who showed you more of one person's vulnerabilities than the other. That doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen when they lock up. And so you've seen Corey knocked out. You've seen Corey lose. Nemkov has just only been on a tear. But a point I wanted to make here is Corey is still young, like just on the other side of 30, I think, 31, 32 at most, something like that. And more to the point, dude, he has clearly turned a corner in ability. He has put the oh, things. Oh, he can
2: strike now, dude. Yes, he
1: can strike. We always knew he can wrestle. You always knew he had good cardio. Now he's putting it all together and blending it very well. Plus, he just has good sense about you know, where I need to be, what my plan is, what, what implementation looks like, how I bring that to bear. He's experienced. He's still young. He's not shopworn. He's always had a good couple good foundations. Now all of that has built itself up to a much stronger degree. Dude, Vadim Nemkov, you can see the odds, has his hands full tonight.
2: Nemkov can wrestle defensively. We've seen yes, that against can. top guys. I mean, look, his victories over Phil Davis, over Ryan Bear—they're no accident. Okay, this guy is absolutely rock solid and legit. I don't know though if Corey Anderson can have that same success in 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 takedown, pick back up, takedown, pick back up, and then coming off of the cl- you know separation on the clinch being that dangerous because Nemkov doesn't open up a lot. He doesn't he doesn't show you. You know, uh, he does. He's never reckless. He's always seeming in, in control. Yes. If there's anything against him, is he's one of those guys that looks solid across the board, but not overly spectacular. Uh, maybe the stoppage of Ryan Bader, notwithstanding, that was a spectacular finish. Yeah. If he just, if he just beats Vadim Nemkov, can he win a five round war? Just be true to yourself. Be stingy. Be solid with the jab. I, I, be safe.
1: I, uh, well, I certainly think Anderson can win, but I would say like, what are the differences between what Anderson might do and what Nemkov might do? Nemkov, to me, a little bit, he's got good boxing, but a little bit more of a kickboxer. I expect him to go a little more high-low and test the tra- the, the defense transfer of a guy like Corey Anderson. But I'm going to say this too: Do Corey is going to try and put a pace on him? Yeah, he's going to try and push him back. The war will be who leads the dance here, as far as I can tell. Can Vadim Nemkov? put punches together and put strikes together and an attack together that keeps Anderson off of him. That's really the key component here, I think, for Nemkov. And, of course, I do think he has the ability to do that, as we've seen, but he's going to have to implement it against a guy who's got good footwork, who is a mobile target, lots of things. It makes him hard to hit, hard to hurt in certain cases. I know you've seen him knocked out, but I'm saying this rejuvenated version is just a little bit more dialed in. So if this is for Nemkov, the test is what does he do to get Anderson off of him. Could be wrestling, could be punches, could be kicks. But that's going to be absolutely crucial to victory. Corey
2: Anderson's striking has improved in, in certain surges, but if he's going to try to strike for strike against
1: Vadim Nemkov, that's, that's, that's a bad idea. Uh, who would you say? Harder puncher, <coughs> harder uh, striker of the two. I'm definitely going to say Vadim oh, yeah, Oh
2: yeah, but I think Anderson, when he times it straight, when he's able to use the threat of the takedown They, you know, faint the changing of levels, and then he can sneak in
1: some stuff on there. By the way, and I'm talking about keeping Corey off of him. Yeah. Another thing to keep Corey off of him is Corey's going to be wrestling him. How long does it take for Vadim Nemkov to stop the takedown and then create separation? Because if you see Vadim Nemkov constantly getting pressed into the fence or bouncing on one leg or whatever, and then, then, then Anderson is putting offense behind that, that's going to be a tough fight. That's going to be a tough fight. We'll see. If we
2: put in a formal request to get Jerry Jones on Room Service Diaries, what will the response be?
1: There won't be one. They won't fulfill it. Okay. Like I'm many just, of the requests we make. I'm just trying to
2: schedule make. our podcast the rest of the weekend.
1: Hey, we won an award. We should get a press release. Nah, they said, go like fuck, fuck, fuck yourself. Like, go eat shit.
2: <laughs> uh, Luke, I, I like Nemkov. I think it's going to go the distance, though, and I think it's going to be a great fight because I think Corey yes. Anderson might gas himself out a little bit.
1: More. I don't know. Corey's gas tank is great, but I do agree with him. It's probably going to go the distance, and this is going to be one of those ones where it's like, You know, three rounds to two, the, the scoring could get real interesting here. Pay attention to the scoring as well. The one thing I would say is biggest weakness on either side, I don't think Corey Anderson has a bad chin. But I don't think his chin is the same as Vadim Nemkov. Yeah, who Nemko? sent
2: him to hell in his last UFC fight? Uh, Blahovich. Oh, yeah.
1: Blochowicz. Yeah. But he also ducked into it. He went this way into it. Yeah. And so, as a consequence, you know, he's. Hey, it, $1 million, million at stake.
2: The light heavyweight title, the tournament championship. Good for the winner here. And maybe the claim of the best 205er on this planet right yes. now. But the King of Connecticut has something to say about that.
1: King of Connecticut Biatch. does. Yes, he does. That's uh, not Luke, you. That's that's Glover Teixeira.
2: Nobody's talking about Aaron Pico's return. Are we taking well, his on, opponent
1: uh, fell out, so this is a last minute yeah, one.
2: Yeah, so Adley Edwards who making his bellator debut nine and one overall has won seven in a row mop up for pico hopefully for him and because i look he's he's closing in on a freaking title shot in yeah this i mean that's division. the thing
1: it's like pico needed a reset and he got one he got one at bellator they did it the right way but now it's time to turn the corner now this is not his fault he was supposed who to have. who
2: was the, be- the original
1: i forget now so i'm putting putting put on the spot but i remember being a little bit more competitive in any case still for pico you got to take this opportunity seriously. It's another chance, another camp, another chance to work your game, another opportunity to implement all the <coughs> things you've been working on so that when that elite opponent circles back in, you're ready to go. So no Can mistakes. You imagine
2: here. Pico against the winner of uh, Patricio and McKee?
1: Uh, candidly, I don't know if Pico's ready for either of those guys, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if it's
2: McKee, it may be a while because McKee mm-hmm. wants Patrici. So maybe if you right. give... Pico a couple more, you know, I don't
1: know, Aren't man. they training partners? Are, aren't
2: they training partners, i being told? So,
1: so they used to be at the body shop. Was I that Gaff believe- who slid in? Yeah, Gaff slid in there. Gaff's
2: like, fuck your top pound-for-pound pound list on Malka. That's what yeah. he just said yeah, right they, there.
1: They, they, they used to train together at the body shop. They no longer do.
2: <clears throat> All right. Gaff, by the way.
0: Where's but he? Where's he on your Malka he's power line,
1: bro? He's come.
2: His THC tolerance, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Uh, Luke, uh, Timothy Johnson going to take on Linton Vassell in a heavyweight a slobber knocker. But how about Johnson showing up to the scale with that liver
1: You see that? No, I didn't. You didn't see that? No.
2: I thought we were exchanging te- texts. You didn't see that?
1: I didn't see the dip in his. Oh, in his Tim mouth. John.
2: Yeah, dude, yeah. he had the total dip packet. He was like the, the little, mean, little Kodiak.
1: Where his, I come his, from, Luke. That,
2: that's that's you know we talk about drug rugs. Those are the heroes in my hometown. You pack, you packing a lip, you. you bro, know,
1: I told the and no one believes me, but it's 100% true. When I was at boot camp, my drill instructors would just swallow it. They would like, not not, not, not the wad itself, but the juice, they would just swallow it. You'll be, it, okay, maybe you can train your body somehow to get used
2: to that, but you the can't. first 10 times you'll be throwing up yeah, for you
1: can It takes a long time, but you can do it. You can do it.
2: Uh, on the undercard, your boy. Davletzdan against former champion Rafael Carvalho, who is uh, who's been losing from a middleweight,
1: lot. who's yeah. going to be, but but also Yakshimurov smaller two Yes, 205-er, he is. so. Yes, yes. Makes sense.
2: Uh, let's go on to UFC Fight Night. It goes down this week. I believe it's the Apex, correct? It's a Vegas show?
1: I believe that's correct.
2: And look, this is a, it's a weak card, but this is a hell of a very good main event. A rematch of what went down at UFC 205, was it? In, it was that in Madison Square ago? Garden. Wow. I remember interviewing the winner backstage after the knockout when Vicente Luque sent Bilal to the, uh to the Deep Dark Realm. I think it was a first-round finish. It was definitely a, a TKO. Luke, all these years later, these two are back in prime prime title positioning. Uh, Are we sleeping on this fight? Yes. What should we
1: be looking for heading into this one? I mean, as much as things have changed since their first fight, things stay the same. You would imagine that Bilal Muhammad has worked on his striking, his striking defense in particular, his range management, all of those things I think are probably a lot better. But again, it's like, is he going to beat Vicente Luque in a straight up striking match? That's hard to imagine. Conversely, Vicente Luque has much improved, I think, over time takedown defense. Certainly those Darce chokes, if you're not careful, are going to set you on fire. But again, I'm going to ask, do you think he can beat Bilal Muhammad trying to wrestle his way to victory? Probably not. So for as much as things have changed, we get back to the same kind of question. Is Bilal Muhammad going to be able to wrestle his way to a victory or is Vicente Luque going to be able to stick and move, stop the takedown or whatever else goes inside of that? Really, that's going to define this fight as much as it defined the first one. Here's how I look at both of these guys.
2: Both sleeper title contenders that were on impressive win
1: streaks each. They both Highly improved
2: guys, They too. both earned it to get to this point. But when... Uh, if there's a fault for both guys, as I've always said, they're, they're a little too interested in coming forward. They're a little too willing oh, they're, they're in about letting it their about hands go. You put them back in together, and this... I mean, look. To, look is the winner going to get a title shot? No, it's a little crowded at the top of the division. But a winner's going to be right there. But this would... I don't see either playing safe is really what I'm trying to no
1: say. No chance. No chance. And they, and also, I think Luke prides himself in his cardio. Yeah. And you know Bilal Muhammad prides himself in his cardio. So either way, this is going to be – they're going to put – dude, that's the other part, too. Bil- Bilal Muhammad, if, he, if his wrestling is working here, he's going to start putting a pace on Luke and slowing him down, getting those arms kind of heavy. And then it becomes a much different kind of fight. So – Really, the let's see what kind of work Bilal Muhammad could do. And again, I want to point this out. He doesn't, yes, the takedowns would be great. It's not so much the takedown. How much work is he forcing Luque to do, and what kind of uh, effect does all that work have? If it turns into a slobber knocker,
2: whose combination of chin and finishing power at this point, not back in 2016, at this point, do you favor if it gets there?
1: Luque has taken more damage. So I'll say that, but I would still favor Luke. In a slugfest, I'm going to favor Luke. It would just, listen, if you're advising Bilal Muhammad with all the skills that he has, would you advise doing that? That seems like deeply inadvisable. That's exactly what you don't want to do. So, you know, you start getting reckless at range with Luke, you're going to wake up looking at the lights. But Bilal Muhammad, while aggressive, typically doesn't do that.
2: Look, there's a lot of names a casual fan. Would not recognize looking up and down this fight. Not a great card. card.
1: Boy, are they trying
2: to just stick square pegs in round holes, Luke? It looks a lot like your college personal life.
1: <laughs> I would say I'm glad you're back, but that'd be lying.
2: I mean, it was it was a decent setup and delivery. Uh, is there anything that jumps out? I mean, Miguel Baeza, Andre Fialho. How do dude? F-, F that. How about Dracar
1: Close? Yeah, who's coming him? back after yep.
2: two years? He'll be a minus 630 favorite against Brandon Jenkins. But did you see the freaking quotes, dude? Yes. yes, Can you sum up what he's been talking so about? So
1: remember, he was supposed to fight, Drakkar Close was supposed to fight Jeremy Stevens. They go to the weigh-in, and he gets pushed. It, candidly, it does not look like the push does a whole lot, but it did. It fucked Drakkar Close up big time. It messed up his neck. He was getting brutal headaches. He was uh, re- reducing his mobility. It was getting all kinds of back spasms. And
2: they wanted to do surgery, and he's like, fuck that.
1: Yeah, they wanted to do surgery. And it, just, it, was just, it was not an easy road for him to come back from that. And so you have to question, like, what kind of condition is he in? I mean, if he got cleared, okay, it's some kind of condition. But, you know, long-term, what is he built for? And remember, Dracar Close had a game that was built on forward pressure coming at it. So, you know, you're going to take punishment in this fight If, if in all likelihood. I, I worry about his future a little bit. So I'm he, sad to hear what has happened, and I do worry about his future. He basically
2: is saying that he's not functioning well from the lingering injuries. He yeah. refused and if, if surgery because he wants to go out on his own terms, and then he ripped up the UFC for not taking care of him right. medically afterwards and they how little it. they pay. I don't know if this is an advisable position. I want the guy to make money, but, like, this is tough. This dude. is a
1: hard mental space to be in if you want to be a professional prize fighter.
2: Or a professional promoter. Or I mean, a professional
1: th- promoter, yeah.
2: Um, how about that big boy, Chris Barnett, the heavyweight that had that spinning kick knockout? Remember that dude?
1: Yes, he's, he's back. He's a
2: pl- plus 195 underdog against Martin Boudet. Am I pronouncing that right? I couldn't tell you. All right. Tune in Saturday if you're interested in all that shit. Luke, real quick before we continue and round out our show here, uh, is your dad an American football fan? No. Okay, because he's just texted you, and I was wondering if maybe he saw you interview Micah Parsons. No. And then he's like, son, I'm so proud of you. You made it. Do you think he's like, hey, Luke, can you check out that property I have in Arlington?
1: No, but uh, his brother lives here. My uncle lives here, okay. and he wants okay. me to hit him up.
2: Okay, that's, that's good. That's family. Yeah. I'd put him on set. Put, what's uncle's name? Larry. Oh, Uncle Larry.
1: Leisure Suit Larry, right? Larry went to Harvard, if you can believe that. So yeah,
2: You had two uncles and went to Oklahoma. One played football.
1: That's right. All
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> Topic four, Luke, this week is uh, he's back. The triple hoping to be quadruple cringe. Henry Cejudo has announced that uh, no more teasing. He's back in the USADA pool. We know he wants to move up to try to attempt to, to win a third championship in the UFC against Alexander Volkanovsky. Also talking about taking on Aljamain Sterling if that opens up. Uh, Luke, your reaction, it seemed inevitable for a guy who retired on his own terms and then never really went away. He's been doing a great job as a sort of trainer for hire. Him and the captain, Eric Albaracin, turned around the fortunes of a bunch of big-name fighters. Mm -hmm. But this seems like the right move, best for business, best for fans, best for making big fights. Do they make him? fight a non-title fight upon comeback or is this going to be a, a name we can plug right
1: in when the first opening happens I don't know what they're going to do because based on everything he said, it doesn't make sense that he's back. I mean, it makes sense if you ignore what he said and just look at what people do. And of course, fighter retirements never last. So in that sense, it's quite normal. But I don't know what they're going to do because he was saying, like he was told, telling Danis Segura when he interviewed him at Eagle FC, like 54 or whatever it was, that, you know, listen, uh, it's kind of over. Dana doesn't want to pay me the money, blah, blah, blah. And so you're like, oh, he wants to come back for the money fights. But it's like are they really going to give him a Volkanovski fight? That seems <coughs> unlikely, at least for now, very unlikely. OK, the Sterling fight is super interesting to me. Now, that one I would love. Any fight at bantamweight against TJ, against Sandhagen, uh, obviously a rematch against TJ would, would this time. Any be- old guy fights would get you fired up? I mean, he already fought Cruz. Aldo, the Aldo fight? I'd be into that. Yeah. So like the- at 135, I'm very happy to see him back. 145, I, I, you know, it would be a big fight, especially if you wanted to be huge, but it just seems really unlikely. And you don't want anything to do with
2: some kind of Conor Catchaway fight. You don't like that shit.
1: Just, let's see what he does against... Dude, Bantamweight has never been hotter. So Cejudo wants to come back and make it even hotter. Great. Let's see what he can do there.
2: Uh, topic 5, Luke, let's hit up some quick hitters to close out. People think that's just mailing it in, right?
1: Just it's a throw, little bit mailing Throw a
2: couple it. news together. Here's what we got to start. Uh, Nick Diaz. Going to make his UFC return again in 2022 following that ill-advised-ish comeback against Robbie Lawler in their long rematch, long-term setup rematch. Cesar Gracie put up an Instagram of Nick saying, quote, look for Nick Diaz to fight by the end of the year. Luke, is it advisable? I mean, look, if he can come in better shape and actually do it for the right reasons, unlike the last time when he was basically telling people in interviews, you uh, all made me do this, talking to his management. I don't want it unless it's an old guy, sloppy celebrity fight. But, again, we just saw that. Do you have any guesses? I mean, do you put him in there against a cowboy? What the hell you do here?
1: Cowboy, maybe a Jim Miller. Yeah. Something like that. I don't really know what you do. What, um, if, what if
2: they did a card in Stockton, California, that had the Diazes and the Cohen Maine? They don't do good shit like that. They don't do stuff like that,
1: right? A Stockton homecoming,
2: a 209 in that bitch. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, we'd have to go there for that.
1: We would have to go there. I, I, will just say, I, you know, listen. We talked to some folks close to Nick, uh, and they were telling us that he just wasn't as prepared as he needed to be by virtue of things apparently being forced on him. By gunpoint. Let, let's. Let's. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about gunpoint, but let's just see what happens the next time out. By bong point. Probably at bong point. <laughs> <laughs> which at you've made a lot point. a
2: lot of important decisions in your life have come at bong point. Uh, Luke, uh, Shafkat Rachmanov firing back yeah. at Hamzat Shumayev on the IG. So Hamzat wrote, who is that chump? Rachmanov responded, let him say it to my face, Woo. not in the comments. We'll talk when we see each other. I've got nothing against him. We're just opponents, and I'm not going to insult him. I'm not gonna insult his family or his nation. We'll fight one day and then see who's better.
1: End quote. There you go. I'm
2: here for this shit. Yes.
1: Oh, Shafkat Rachmanov taking on Neil Magny in June. Huge test for him. And I gotta tell you folks, if you weren't aware of who Shafkat Rachmanov is before, you're about to find out. Yes. He is, he is, he he and Hamza, I don't know when they're gonna fight. But they have a date with destiny, and I cannot wait. So do these Speaking two. Speaking of women. which, by the way, we, I don't know if it's on Quick Hitters. Yeah. New York Times story today, written by Kevin Draper and Kareem Zidane, exploring the connection between Ramzan Kadyrov, the totally insane Russian war or Chechen warlord in parts of Russia, but Chechnya. Well, well. And uh, and the connection he has with Hamzat Shemayev. Quite troubling to put it on. Why don't we get
2: into that right now? Mikey didn't put it in the rundown. I, I thought he did. Uh, Luke, big news in boxing this week, and here's why. It, weirdly relates to what you're saying. It does relate. Is that Daniel Kinahan, the accused, suspected Irish-based but out of Dubai, now drug cartel lord, who had been, depending upon who you asked, deeply involved as an early investor in MTK, the the boxing management team, which represents the likes of Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders, Carl Frampton, Mick Conlon, a couple other big names, also Darren Darren Till. Till, And now the connection with, of course, uh, the new promoter Probellum, which Richard Schaefer has been walking around here for. I
1: did see him, yeah. There's
2: been talks that that's also fueled by Canahan, so why does this matter? It's not that this has not been in the news that there's a suspected drug lord close in on boxing. The fact that we and a lot, I think, American media never really went nuts on it is dumb but true. Dude... There's a lot of fucked up things that go on in boxing, and, yep. and convicted or unconvicted people in key spots, and it's just sort of that's the game that it attracts. You want to go into MMA, Ramzav Kadyrov, and see the connections. Kadyrov. The Kadyrov, see the connections there. Well, this took front page precedence when the U.S. government now banning trade sanctions with, uh, basically, based, U.S. government stepping in and saying if you do any business in boxing yeah. with this suspected figure you will be under penalty and arrest. So now, right. Luke, the reaction is we've got everybody. For a everybody, U.S. citizen, yes. We've got everybody either lying or trying to cover up. We've got MTK saying, oh, no, uh, Kinahan was no longer with us from 2017 on, even though Tyson Fury in, in the... When they booked that Anthony thanking Joshua him fight, publicly, thanking you yeah. publicly and all pictures partying with him, and now we've got Pro Bellum saying, "Oh, we've never had any connection with Kinahan," even though Kinahan used to promote MMA cards under the Pro Bellum name. So, like, it's all kind of like.
1: And also, wasn't there an ESPN card that was supposed to be aired that they're now not going to air? Yes. So there's a Island? lot
2: of shit that's hitting the fan here, Luke. The reaction based on what I would just said about MMA and boxing is again, I mean, Don King again. Like, the, it's it's not new in boxing, but given the circumstances. Should this sanction be in place? Yes. It seems right that you wouldn't want to do business with somebody like that. I'm glad people like Alan Dawson of, the, of Insider, who's done a great job covering this for a long time, never been afraid to put it out there. All that work is being paid off. But the thing about throwing houses at glass, uh, glass houses Yeah, let's throw stones. some houses. Let's get stoned in someone's glass house, Luke, is how many MMA fighters are kind of linked to this type of thing too? Totally. What do we do, what this we do here, of, this bro? Is what do we been, do here? This, I,
1: I don't know because it's so funny that, like, you know, ESPN will cover, you know, oh, a, a pro basketball player said something insensitive to a female reporter, which is fine. Like, you shouldn't, that's a thing that you should cover. I don't have any issue with it. And then they just, like, totally ignore that they have one arm of their boxing business involved with MTK. Oh, ESPN
2: Plus regularly does MTK cards. Yeah, and,
1: like, there's no discussion of that. There's just, like, there's, like, this rule of morality and uh, media police around t- stick and ball sports that never gets applied to... The fight game. And the, the, I somewhat understand it, too, because the other part of the story is, B.C., like I've been raising not issues related to Kinahan per se or kadirov I've, I've I've interviewed folks about Kadyrov as well. But, like, the point I'm trying to make is we I brought this stuff to light in previous yeah. interviews or coverage, and most combat sports fans just don't care.
2: They either already think there's stuff like that going on, or they like you're saying, care. they just don't care. They, they want to see care. the fight. So, but it's, like,
1: but it's like, dude, do you really want people you're in business with to be in business with fucking... Murderous warlords? So Quite literally, murderous warlords? No, it's probably a bad idea.
2: top rank Bob Arum, which has done business with MTK constantly. He, Bob Arum was quoted about a year ago when asked about stuff like this and saying, look, you know, all this is accused. I don't, you know, hands fine. You know, people say things, whatever. Well, now they interviewed Bob Arum and Mark Ramundi, did a VSPN, and yep. Bob's like, yes, we have to cut off ties as well, which is yep. a smart move. Yeah. But I don't know what more... We're supposed to do than that. I mean, uh, right. I
1: think you just tell the audience what the truth is, and now
2: the, here's what I don't like. Tyson Fury it. did a did a uh, teleconference ahead of the uh, the April 23rd Dillian White fight, which is gonna be a monster fight. We're gonna break it down next week, obviously. But I saw Kevin Ioli tweet out that you know he's been trying to get in the queue to ask a question about it. Nobody asked the question. Stories afterwards from Gareth a. Davis basically saying that like the that's. Tyson Fury's team has shut down any questions. Mm. That's the bullshit I hate. Yeah. When it's straight up, you cannot ask this question. I'm right. sorry. Tyson, you agreed to work with this guy,
1: okay? Right. You're the if one. If it's public record, it's fair game.
2: So you should have to, to face that music in the regard. I think that's who you point the finger at. Not necessarily the American media, unless the American media has turned a blind eye completely, which, you know, we they haven't. Ha- well, but they
1: have to, to uh, Hamzat and his relationship to Kadirov. Until this New York Times Until article. this New York Times article. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of coverage happens yeah, after we'll that. Yeah,
2: we'll see if that extends into MMA. Keeping it going in here, Luke. Talk about a big-ass fight. UFC 275, which comes up in Singapore. I forgot the date. Was it June something in Singapore? Yeah. We got two title fights. We got, uh, got uh, Prohatska taking on And Valentina Klover. and Tyler And you got that. Valentina. Well, now you got the rematch of the greatest women's fight of all time in MMA. And among, I think, among the top five fights in MMA history. Agreed. And that's Zhang Wei Li, Joanna young check No title this time, but Joanna champion finally coming back. Luke, she had held firm. Wait, three
1: rounds or five rounds?
2: Uh... I believe that didn't one of the reporters ask Dana at the press conference, "Can you make this five? And Dana's like, "Do you want me to?" And it wasn't wasn't it like Sean shot one Might of the guys, have been, yeah. and Mike Bone one you of those gotta guys. You got to do that five. And then round, Dana's like, right? "All right, if you really want me to, I will." Part of me says, "Do we really need to do it five rounds when they almost killed each other the first time?" But here's the thing, Luke: uh, no title at stake. I love that Yawana stood firm. She said, "I want to come back and fight either a champion or rematch Whaley. I'm not coming back for less money against a contender. I'm not at that point in my career. She's not."
1: No, she's not. She's a so, senior fighter.
2: And look, she I don't know what she got paid in that first Whaley fight, but it wasn't enough at the
1: end of the day for
2: what she took on. This is a loaded card suddenly from Singapore, dude. Yeah, that's this a
1: great – again, that's the best women's fight in UFC history by a – with. Country mile. I don't know if I scored it for Ioana. I, I thought she won it, um, but it was close as shit. Part of me, from watching that fight live, and I've talked about like
2: it was uncomfortable. It got it got hairy.
1: You know what I mean? It was once fucking her, fi- once as Ioana's shit. face started getting deformed, yes. you got worried. And
2: they both they just, just they both would not take a backward step, and that's what made the fight great. But I always said, look, if they do that again, I just can't see a great once great champion like Ioana. Not having poured it all out in that fight, whatever was left in her, and everybody's yeah. got one last stand. There's levels to it, but everybody's got one. Every great fighter's got one last stand. I think that was her last stand, but it's not like Whaley's coming in as as uh, as not. You know, Whaley's coming in as weathered goods right now as well with the two losses. No doubt about it. She made great adjustments in the second fight against Nami Yunus. She still got head kicked first round KO the first time. So yep. it does make it interesting in terms of what this fight looks like. I think you have to favor Whaley based on youth and damage, maybe.
1: Maybe the, I think there's the biggest question is what is left of Joanna? What is left? How much did that fight and the inactivity subsequently take out of her competitive ability? Yeah, like abilities?
2: would she be willing to go to hell again? Would she be?
1: And can she? Can she? With that much damage you've accrued over time. It's asking a lot. Look, here's an
2: interesting fight that I don't care about at all. Triller's back and we know that Triller Ugh. acquired what? BKS. Triller's the vaping. Triller's got a lot of shit going on. They're trying to do real boxing, they're trying to do vaping, they're trying to do Trillerverse. Luke, July 16th, they're going to do a pay-per-view from a bullfighting ring in Mexico City. That's classy. Andy Ruiz Jr., the guy, remember, he once upset Anthony Joshua for the damn heavyweight titles. Dude, what is he doing? Against unbeaten Tyrone Spong, the former kickboxing champion, who was going to be a fight. He was going to fight Usyk, Usyk, but then he drugged out. Luke, this fight blows. What are we doing here? I mean,
1: it's like I like Tyrone Spong, so it's like, you know, nice for him. But, dude, I just don't understand. What the fuck is... Didn't Ruiz... Is Ruiz still... With, I can't even keep straight. Is Ruiz still with Eddie Reynoso? Yes. But, right? Is he... It's, I don't yes. know. The he's answer still to the,
2: with the PVC technically, but I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to shit on Ruiz if this is a big payday, which it probably is. Yeah,
1: Triller's probably still overpaying, which I, I get why the guys would but take it, But nobody cares, dude. Dude, you, you're fighting a guy who... Like, Tyron Spong, who's, you know, obviously he's a very elite kickboxer, but we don't know what kind of boxer he is. Probably not that great. Um...
2: But, like, why wouldn't Ruiz want to fight Luis that's Ortiz what I'm or i or Wilder? That's what I'm saying.
1: It's not even on Tyron Spong. Again, he probably got a big check. He wants to make a move, a move in boxing. Good for Tyron Spong. That's great. And for, and for Andy Ruiz, if he got a big check, too, that's great. But it's like, dude, what is the appeal to the average fan? I, I don't know. I'm with you on that, Luke.
2: Fuck that. Marlon Moraes announces his retirement
1: from MMA. Smart move. Very We're smart. We're about
2: Tashaun Porter in this chair. Dude, he walked he away went, on
1: top. I know, but it's like, dude, it's like, where was he supposed to go? Um, I feel bad for Marlon. It was a rough end there. He's but a nice was, guy, too. Good interview. Very nice guy. Family guy. But yeah. that was a rough ending. I'm glad to see he put, he put a stop to it.
2: July 16th, UFC fight night. Luke, Askar Askarov trying to rebound against Alex Perez. Yeah, yeah, bro.
1: Yeah. Sick fight. Alex Perez, come forward guy, yeah. can do everything. Askarov and him, they're going to have some scrambles. That's what I'm talking about.
2: Uh, Luke, um, finally, Ariel Hawani revealed us an update on the rumors surrounding the best featherweight fighter in the world today. Zabit? Not AJ McKee, not Volkanovski. Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I don't know if he's the best, but he's good. Here's the quote from Ariel of the MMA Hour fame. I've asked around, I don't know if Zabit is coming back. From what I'm told, he had like almost like this moral religious dilemma that he was dealing with. He's very religious and I think he reached a point where he just didn't want to do it anymore. His brother fights and he corners his brother, which I think is really interesting, but obviously everybody's different, but that's what I heard. He just reached a point where he was like, no, this isn't for me. He might go down as one of the biggest what ifs in UFC history because it looked like his ceiling was so high. End quote. Dana was asked at the most recent press conference. He said, look, I haven't talked to him at all. We had
1: had Danny Segura play the uh, the, – before Monday's show fell completely apart. Yeah. And I was out of focus. Oh, thanks
2: to Danny for filling in. And I was out of focus
1: the entire time. Um, (coughs) Danny played some of the clips talking to Ali Abdelaziz, who's manager, as well as Dana, and both were like, "Mm -hmm," you know, "Mm -hmm," they don't have shit to say, which is not a red flag per se, but it's not an encouraging sign if you were looking for his return.
2: I, I love that man. Who, Danny? No, well, Danny, yes.
1: Danny's Mr. 305. Danny's Fuck got, off.
2: Danny's got some low-key BDE.
1: Oh, dude, Danny, you should see him. People don't know this about Danny, and it's true until you really see it. I would argue that, like, I'm not going to say Danny has a different personality in Spanish because that's not true, but, yo, he's got a little extra swag when he's speaking Espanol, oh, oh, bro. shit,
2: Danny spit that game. I will say, though, as good as Danny is potentially with the women is not as good as Zabit potentially is taking over the featherweight division, okay?
1: I, I'll tell you a he story. He I'll, I'll tell you like a story about – uh, I, I, I tried to hook Danny up with someone one time. Was she Colombian? She was, yeah. Surprise. It actually worked out uh, favorably for a little time. For who? For him? For both. Yeah. Oh, for both. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Are we skipping dead wrong? I can read them real fast. We don't need graphics or whatever, right? All right, let's close here uh, talking about Danny's libido with a great segment we do every Friday, morningcombat at gmail.com. No bells and whistles today, but it is called Dead Wrong. It's where we sit on the L's and take our losses. Luke, number one is from Cameron. It's your boy Cameron Gatlin here from sunny and smelly Los Angeles. I'm a 28-year-old Army vet and father of four. Nice. Boys, your show really, really stops me from taking the Delta Eight flight to hell at least once a week. Why would it stop him? <laughs>
1: I was I like, shouldn't it encourage
2: yeah. it? I just wanted to dead wrong Luke forty-seven minutes into Friday's show when he said, "What college? Saint Vincent, Saint Mary's?" When in fact LeBron didn't go to college
1: that he skipped because he uh, yeah, went I to know high he school. skipped college, motherfucker. I lived through it.
2: Nothing major. Just wanted to be a little b about. Didn't it. Didn't he go
1: to Saint Mary's? Yeah, it's a like high school. Yeah, it's a high school
2: in Akron, Ohio. You
1: bitch. Oh, I mean, dude, these okay. All right.
2: Okay, Cameron.
1: Nice, nice job, Cameron. <laughs>
2: okay, this one's from uh, Jordan from Hawaii, Ho- Hawaii, Luke. Hawaii. Uh, Aloha, donks. In episode 288 at 22 minutes, when discussing what fight should be next for Volkanovski, Luke mentions the possibility of moving up to fight Rafael dos Anjos, yes. stating that he thinks he's fought as low as 145.
1: No. Well, he, he didn't. He's while oh, he no, has fought fighters
2: course. who have moved up from one forty five. Yes, that's right, that's
1: fair. That's fair. Or moved down. For some reason I thought his early fight against Stevens was a one forty five. Yeah, so you're not. dead, wrong. dead Your, wrong.
2: Score one for Jordan. And there finally you go. Luke. Th- that's,
1: see, that's a good de- that's a good dead wrong. Okay. I'll take that.
2: Uh Ben, Jordan, Jared, Dalton, Fidencio, Colin, a lot of people riding in here. On Monday show when discussing Holloway and Volkanovsky being like MMA's Canelo Triple mm. G. What did I say? Luke said that they are similar in that both fight series had one of the fighters go two and oh. I know Luke knows this, but it's dead fucking wrong. The first Triple G Canelo fight ended in a draw. 118 to 110, Delta 8. Thanks for the content and the great (laughs) merch. That's
1: a fair point. Okay, the reason why I said that is it is wrong. But the the feeling you get is that... yeah, Canelo, Canelo was done a favor. He was done
2: a, a big time
1: favor. Poor Triple G. That's a fair, that's a fair correction. It wasn't Triple G. Uh, yeah, whatever.
2: All right, what a great show. Of course, we encourage you to uh, continue to follow us, like us, put our socials below. Morning Combat, uh, YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat for more. Tell Interviews, them about tonight. Tell them about tonight? Tonight is Bellator 277 only on Showtime. Of course, 30-day free trial. Why wouldn't you start right freaking now? Showtime.com, get your 33 days because you, you have you have to see Pitbull McKee, too, tonight. You have to see your boy BC call fights tomorrow night, yep. Showtime, 7 p.m. Eastern That's time. Right. That's right. Leading into the pay-per-view. But tonight, Luke, do we have something planned related to Bellator 277? Can you tell the audience? Yes. Because I have no idea, yes, bro.
1: We're having a post-fight show live from, I think, either his or my hotel room. Not mine. Probably not yours, but whatever. We'll have a post-fight show for Bellator 277. The card merits it, so stick around. Morning Combat tonight, we got you covered.
2: Saturday night is the pay-per-view, of course, and after the fights, Luke, we're going live from inside that dome. Inside, they, they say we're inside, inside the, the dome. I don't Go, know how inside, inside the dome. at and Stadium.
1: We're in. Yeah, we're but are we or the radio booth? That's we're inside yeah. at <laughs> Stadium, Luke. Okay, okay. Again, once again, I was going to say I'm glad you're back, but I. I really don't Luke, know how true Everything that
2: is. is bigger in Texas, including my bulge. <laughs> For our great staff, some of which, some of which will be let go as the weeks go on once right. we get our reality Survivor show. Going. Style, yeah. Survivor style, Survivor Malka edition. Look at the the nervousness. Excuse me? Okay, well, look at the nervousness. Are people getting
1: fired again?
2: Yeah, so you know that guy Tim that, that shoots our documentaries? They got him working on here. Like, do they have Jay on camera? They're just, they're just, you know.
1: So does that mean we were in focus or we were not in Probably focus? Probably not in because focus. Jay was working. Probably not in focus. That's awesome, up. Jake, the
2: documentarian's here. <laughs> Filthy Phil on the cameras today. Special shout yep. out to our crew. Thank you to Sean Porter for dropping by. Yes. Thank you to our outstanding panel. We had for our early weigh-in reaction.
1: Russell thank you to the crew. The crew did a great job today with everything, so thank you very much.
2: You can check out our weigh-in reaction on Showtime's YouTube channel as well. We had a great chat with Dallas Cowboys, Micah Parsons, what a great guy. So, uh, look, it's a big fight weekend, so hopefully you realize that there's no greater home than Showtime, and no two washier fellas to drive you to those fights than these two at Morning Combat, your award-winning show. I love this show. I love being here with you, Luke. I am glad you're back. I Thank you so back. much, okay? I did miss you. I didn't go away on vacation. Family was sick. But you know what, Luke? You, you got to just grind. You got to grind through it, okay? We,
1: uh, we both have missed vacations by virtue of our families getting sick. That so is true. It does suck. That is true.
2: Um, so, a uh, lot of analysis, anal analysis coming your way, a lot of reaction shows coming your way. Thank you to the fine people here of Arlington, Texas. Hey, let's put it together for Morning Combat.
1: That's the saddest yeah. shit I've ever heard. Yeah,
2: that's not That's not cool. That's not cool. Uh, for this fine gentleman, Luke Thomas, my name is Brian Campbell, reminding you, may all your ex-lovers stay satisfied. I mean, f- fuck a loyal gain, right, at the end of the day? Can we close this off, please? I have
1: to take a dump. We out. Yeah. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.